then we come on and we talk about Ireland's attack shape. It's really exciting. I don't, I don't remember ever getting that call 15 years ago. <laughs> the Six Nations on OTB. Don't miss a moment of the action. Subscribe to the OTB Rugby podcast feed now. Off the ball. This is News Talk. You're welcome along to Sunday's Off the Ball. It's Owen here sitting in for Joe until 7 o'clock this evening. And we've got a Premier League doubleheader for you later on. First up at 2 o'clock, Liverpool make the trip to Turf Moor to take on Burnley. Nathan Murphy and Brian Kerr are going to be commentating on that for us. And then at half four, Richie McCormack and Vinnie Perth will be watching Leicester City against West Ham United. Our Sunday paper review is up and out on our social channels already. Gavin Comiskey and Kleena Foley join myself to go through the sports pages and you'll get a chance to hear some of that after six o'clock and very shortly we will be joined by Malcolm O'Kelly to look back on Ireland's 30 points to 24 defeat at the hands of France in Paris yesterday. As ever you can tweet us at Off The Ball if you want to get in touch you can also text us on 53106 Anne-Marie Donnellan is with us in studio. How are you getting on Anne-Marie? I am. You're not in Paris. I'm not. I'm very much they not. I can you, confirm I'm in. Uh, I'm definitely in Dublin. They send you to Wales when the game's on in Dublin and you have to stay in Dublin when the game's on in Paris. Something strange going on here. No, I just, I mean, Wales is a, is a far better place than, than Paris. Paris overrated. Uh, the Welsh Valleys is where the glamour ties really are at, even if there wasn't a match on last week. Um, you were at the glamour ties yesterday, I think it's fair to say. I mean, everybody was watching the rugby <laughs> yesterday and then checking their phone. I was like, oh my God. What the hell is going on in Croke Park? You were there for two of the most incredible conclusions that we're ever going to see in Club GEA. Yeah, I text someone after the hurling saying um, you'd only see that in hurling. And I perhaps spoke a little bit too soon because it's kind of a hold my beer moment. Yeah. Yeah. A bit of a strange day. You could argue the two better sides lost. Right. Yeah, I felt that um, Ballyhale and Kilmacud were probably better than Ballygunner and um, Kilcoo, but it was just those last gas moments yeah um bit disappointed I have to say with the football I was really looking forward to that I had seen Croaks a couple of times this year um their game against Nace and their semi-final against Pierce's and they're so impressive going forward like their attack is they just you feel they kind of remind me a little bit of Curafin like you feel that a score is on every time they have the ball and they kind of play the Dublin model perhaps a little bit better than Dublin at the moment but um yeah I thought they were disappointing yesterday Yesterday and the football in general, it just it wasn't a great game. It was pretty negative. Um, the first half as well, and they were scoring Kilmacud down into the hill, and generally teams kind of score more into the stand. I thought we're on for an annihilation here. Mm. And then the second half, Kilku kind of came out of nowhere, and then it went to extra time. And I was wondering what was going to happen if extra time finished a draw. Were we going to see it decided by freeze? But then that last minute goal. But um, yeah, as well, a bit of a weird day at Croke Park as well. I've always, always liked the club finals being on St. Patrick's Day and the strange decision to have it yesterday I felt was reflected as well in the attendance. It was only 17,000 and that was with a massive... Dublin Club, Kilmacud have a huge playing population and they cover a massive area. So 17,000 was a bit disappointing. I know there's suggestions perhaps next year and going forward this new St. Bridget's Day bank holiday would be a day to have it. But I've always enjoyed it on St. Patrick's Day because you do kind of find yourselves at a bit of a loss as to what to do on St. Patrick's Day and the casual GA fan might slip in. But um, yeah, 17,000 I felt was a little bit disappointing. But, but there might be more next year if that's the sort of drama that you're getting at the end of the game like the St. Patrick's Day thing was 
dwindling a little bit over the last couple of years pre-COVID anyway you kind of needed a, a really good tie to, to draw people in it seemed that it wasn't what it once was but maybe if, if this talk of, uh, of moving it to the, to the February bank holidays what you're going to do they could find a new lease of life but I think everybody looking back on yesterday it was a, a formal moment so I think that'll probably sell a few more tickets for next year that you don't want to miss these club games sometimes because it has the potential for ridiculous drama yeah, particularly the hurling as well, like the literal last puck of the game, yeah. like it was insane. And the audacity of him as well to go for it, but fair play to him. It was, I mean, uh, Ballyhale, no, the exact feeling of yeah. what it's like to score a goal like that yeah. in the last second of the game. So uh, it was uh, a bit of a bit of a strange turn of events for them. Uh, we've got loads going on today, Amory. We're going to get to the rugby, as I say, very shortly. Malcolm O'Kelly is standing by, but we're going to kick things off in the news round at the Premier League. Yeah, there are four Premier League games on today. Tottenham and Wolves kicks off in North London at two o'clock. Elsewhere, Newcastle and Aston Villa is at St. James's Park at the same time. And then arguably the pick of the early games is Burnley and Liverpool at Turf Moor. And as you said at the top of the show, you can listen to that here on the programme in the company of Nathan Murphy and Brian Kerr and I believe Nathan is on the line with Team News. Hi Nathan. Yeah, uh, afternoon Amory. Afternoon Owen. So it is a typical uh, Burnley day. It's miserable, it's wet, it's windy and Sean Dyche has got a smile on his face I think because of that weather forecast (laughs) despite the fact that Burnley are bottom of the Premier League table though they have obviously been massively hit with Covid issues which means they've lots of games at hand. This in fact only their fourth Premier League game of 2022 so far. So they're on 14 points. They're a point behind Watford three games in hand on them, three points behind Norwich, four games in hand on them but maybe more importantly they are four points behind Newcastle and just a couple of games in hand on Newcastle. They've only won one game all season Burnley that was back in October against Brentford they've drawn 11 matches they need to start grinding out some victories and turning those draws into Nick and a late goal here or there which would at least ensure their Premier League survival for yet another season but they've played well over the last couple of weeks a draw, scoreless draw down at Arsenal and then obviously midweek that one-all draw against Manchester United where they started slowly but were very impressive in the second half today though they face a massive test Liverpool after their stumbles over Christmas look back to their very very best and they've won their last three Premier League games 12 points behind Manchester City at the top who eased to another win yesterday and you just feel it puts that little bit of extra pressure on Liverpool because if they were to lose this game it's all over they just need to keep on winning and keep that gap down to around 6-7 points when they go to Manchester City in April. The good news for Liverpool and the big team news is that Mo Salah and Sadio Mane, a week after they met in the African Cup of Nations final, both start for Liverpool this afternoon. Jurgen Klopp has made four changes from the side that brushed aside Leicester on Thursday night. Liverpool play Inter Milan in the Champions League on Wednesday night and he'd be pleased to see that he's pretty much got a full squad to choose from for the first time in several years, I'd say. And Jordan Henderson, Naby Keita, Mo Salah and Sadio Mane all come into the side. Curtis Jones, Thiago, Diogo Jota and the new signing Luis Diaz all drop to the bench for Liverpool this afternoon. So the Liverpool title will give you that first, even though they are the visitors. Alisson in gold, a back four, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Joel Matty, Virgil van Dijk and Andy Robertson. The midfield three then, Fabinho, Chieta and Captain Henderson. And then the traditional top three, I guess, as it was up until Diogo Jota's arrival of Salah and Mane 
either side of Roberto Firmino. It is a stacked Liverpool bench because of that. Cleveland Keller are among them alongside Canate, Chimicast, Thiago, Milner, Oxley, Chamberlain, Elliot, Jota and Diaz. For Burnley, well, Sean Dyche never makes too many changes and just the one from that side that drew Manchester United. Aaron Lennon comes in on the right wing in place of Dwight McNeil. So it's Nick Pope in goal. The regular back four now of Connor Roberts, James Tarkowski, Ben Mee and Eric Peters. Josh Brownhill and Ashley Westwood in the middle of midfield. Lennon on the right. Maxwell Cornet, who's their top scorer with six Premier League goals and who's been the main man this season. He'll be on the left. And then leading the line, it's Jay Rodriguez and Wout Weghorst, all six foot six. Mm. Uh, the Dutch striker who impressed good feet for a big man we can say <laughs> after his uh, assist for Jay Rodriguez against Manchester United uh, yet to score in his couple of games but then again nobody really scores for Burnley they've only scored three in their last eight Premier League matches so two o'clock not on a telly but it is live here and off the ball good stuff do you think that's a return to the front three now Nathan for, for the foreseeable or is it a sense of Jota played midweek and resting the legs a small bit I suspect it's resting the legs it yeah. does feel that with Jota's form that he is ahead of Roberto Firmino but Liverpool have so many games looking at their fixture list they go to Inter Milan on Wednesday night Norwich next Saturday leads the following Wednesday the League Cup final against Chelsea straight after that back into the Champions League that we're just going to see a constant rotation but Jurgen Klopp this is the headache he wants where absolutely everyone's available the likes of Ari and Minamino are back fit but they're not making the bench so he has that depth and I would expect that Jota most certainly will be back in in Milan in midweek whether Luis Diaz gets in he was geez, talk about settling straight into the <laughs> Liverpool side on Thursday night uh, but maybe they're just going to try and ease him in a little bit more but Mane and Salah uh, they have that hug at the end presumably they will pass to each other if the uh, opportunity presents itself but they're in a good position the problem for Liverpool is just so disheartening I'm sure last night sitting down watching Manchester City Manchester City not even playing well in the first half again deathly dull but they do enough they have enough quality Raheem Sterling gets the hat-trick and it does mean Liverpool just have to be flawless I think until they get to that game against City in April and be in a position where you can then have a title race where you can go and beat Manchester City but they just cannot afford any slip-ups at all. And I just before I let you go, by the way, I mentioned Creeping Kelleher on the bench for uh, Liverpool. Uh, both Nathan Collins and Kevin Long among the substitutes for Burnley. Good stuff. Hopefully we'll see a bit of game time from them today. Nathan, good stuff. Cheers, guys. That's a two o'clock kickoff there in that game of turf more between Burnley and Liverpool. It's going to be Brian Kerr on commentary beside Nathan for that one. Yeah, and then the main game of the day, own is Leicester City and West Ham at the King Power Stadium. Richie McCormack and Vinnie Perth will call that when it kicks off at half past four. Leicester City go into this with manager Brendan Rodgers under quite a bit of pressure. They're 13th in the table and were knocked out of the FA Cup, which of course they are the holders of by Nottingham Forest last week. The visitors then are fourth ahead of kickoff. Manager David Moyes has confirmed that Kurt Zuma will play. The 27-year-old French defender was fined two weeks wages and had his cats seized by the RSPCA this week. That was following the emergence of a video in which Zuma was seen abusing one of the animals. Moyes picked him to start in their midweek game against Watford, which they won and kept a clean sheet. Elsewhere then, Republic of Ireland international Diane Caldwell has started for Manchester United in their Women's Super League derby with Manchester City. That's scoreless approaching half-time. Uh, we move on to Gaelic Games there. 
Allianz Hurling League continues today. Yeah, old rivals Tipperary and Kilkenny meet in Division 1 of the Allianz National Hurling League this afternoon. Throw-in for their Group B fixture is at a quarter to four in Thurless. Elsewhere in the same section, Waterford take on Leash from two o'clock. In Group A then, Clare welcome Wexford to Cusick Park at a quarter to two. And 15 minutes later, it's Offaly against Cork, that one in Burr. There's one game then in Division 1B of the Lidl Ladies National Football League this afternoon. Waterford host Dublin. That gets underway at Fraherfield at two o'clock. And then of course uh, the Six Nations. There is a game today. Yeah, there is one game today in the Six Nations. That's as Italy host England from three o'clock. Eddie Jones's side will be looking for their first win of the competition. That's after they lost to Scotland last weekend. A couple of other bits and pieces as well. Giant Slalom had a bit of Irish interest. There's our Irish cricketers in action. Yeah, the Irish cricketers unfortunately beaten by the UAE in their T20 in International in Muscat needing 179 to win they fell 14 runs short of their target next up is a meeting with Nepal tomorrow and there's a seven race card at Punchestown this afternoon the first there off shortly at 22-2 Good stuff and just to mention Jack Hour finished 25th in the, the giant slalom skiing event there Oh sorry yeah 25th place finish for him at the Winter Olympics in Beijing this morning Anne-Marie good stuff Thank thanks so. a million we'll get more from Anne-Marie throughout the afternoon we are turning our attention now though to yesterday's defeat in Paris for Ireland in the Six Nations. We've got Malcolm O'Kelly on standby. First, let's hear a little bit from Andy Farrell. It's the, it's the right decision. There's no doubt about that. Um, uh, they feel the game. They're in the moment. They, they, they understand what's happening. There was plenty of time left. In fact, didn't we have a line-out um, after that um, to go on um, when there was a couple of points down because we we got the three points back we had a line out and an opportunity to, to score the try and we didn't and, and, and that's the game so uh, I back them to make those calls Yeah Andy Farrell there obviously talking about the decision in the second half uh, to go for the posts rather than the corner despite the fact that Ireland were six points down and had three tries on the board already Malcolm O'Kelly is with us Malcolm how are you getting on? Hi oh, yeah. um, very well thank you when we get uh, straight into that point then, since uh, we just heard from uh, Andy Farrell talk about it, what was your thought process or what was going on in your mind when you saw them edging towards going for the post in that critical moment in the second half? Um, yeah, I think we were looking, it was at 71 minutes on the clock. Um, uh, it's one of those ones we have the, we're, we're able to look at it from hindsight, you know, and uh, and from that perspective, you sh- you without a doubt they should have kicked the touch um how many opportunities they would get after that was, was hard to know um but then uh listen to andy i wasn't sure it was that 50 22 line out after that at that stage and um then they lost that line out you know mm. so there's still so many variables uh, in play that um uh, that the decision was 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 made to kick, um, you know, you know, get your points, get closer to the target. Um, but um, realistically, three what did three points really give to them? You know, um, you you know, uh, a try at that stage would put them ahead. You know, a penalty kick still, you know, they still need another penalty kick, and that's only to draw. You know, so. Arguably, what are you really gaining from doing from doing uh, from taking the penalty? Um, not much. So I think decision probably should have they should have because they had backed themselves uh, all game to go into touch and they had scored a mauling try and 
Um, so, yeah, uh, as a spectator, as a spectator, I think, you know, they should have kicked it into touch. But uh, as Andy Farrell says, those guys are on the pitch. They know, they know they've kind of got to a stage where they just want to get close. So they took their kick. It's, it's an interesting sort of conversation that happens at that moment, I suspect, not least because of the personalities involved. Joey Carberry starting his first Six Nations game. James Ryan in the captaincy role hasn't experienced that too often. So I'm sure it's something that they learn from. But if you're in James Ryan's position, Mal, if you're kind of a, a second row at, at that moment, are you saying to your out half, listen, we've got to try off the line out mall already. I, I, I back us here if you go for the corner or does it, does it not really matter what position you're playing in? Um, uh, hard to know. Hard to know. Um, he, he obviously, you know, there would be no, many occasions where they, they would back themselves to go um, you know, the heat of the moment, um, the points that it's very kickable points. Um, you know, obviously we were tempting, um, and they felt maybe that they might, they just, it wasn't at that stage where they were just going to get over. Maybe they felt that they would have to, you know, take a kick and take another kick. Um, and they would get another opportunity. Um, it's it's hard to know, you know, like the fact that he's a second row, I don't think makes too much difference. Um, you know, he's a he's a leader. He 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 he, he probably, I don't know Carberry probably said, "Look, I can get these. It's easy. Mm. Uh, we'll come back." And so they went with it. You know, that's their decision, and you have to you just have to go with it. You know, what did you make of Carberry's performance overall yesterday? Yeah, I thought I thought obviously it was a huge amount of pressure on him because he hasn't had a huge amount of game time. Um I thought he really got in he got he got going. Um he got into the game. Uh he found his feet pretty quickly. He had to find him pretty quickly. Um and once or twice he got caught man and ball and I think in one particular occasion he like he always knew that with the French uh game plan was would would be to really pressurize uh to, uh, the uh, Irish attack and not let them get around, uh, get around them, and uh, and they did that. And I think Carberry one stage showed a great uh, touch to get the the ball outside uh, to Andrew Porter, um, and uh, I think he he showed he's got all the skills and uh, it's a great confidence boost for the team and and I'd imagine for him as well to get through the game. Uh, in the manner that he did, he really looked very comfortable. Then, certainly in the second half, looked really comfortable, um, and uh, you know, really led led uh, from the front, and uh, you know, implemented uh, the strategy and the game plan really well. So, uh, you know, Ireland looked really good uh, in attack in the second half, and that was down to that was down largely down to his ability to make the right decisions. You know, so. Mm. You know, he did well, really well. It, it definitely felt that the analysis at, at full time of Joey Carberry would have been a lot more glowing than, say, that the half-time analysis of Joey Carberry. So that's a positive sign. I suspect that he's already shown an aptitude for finding his way into a game, like his first Six Nations start, and there was already within a game an upward trajectory. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, like... You, like 
uh, I, I don't know if you could put like the two performances, uh, the first half and the second half performance, uh, very much mirrored Ireland's performance, uh, as, a, as in Joey's performance, mirrored Ireland's performance. Uh, and I don't know if that was just the French, just the opportunities that that are that arose. But Ireland looked a little bit anxious in the first half. They they were slightly overrunning, or they were slightly under a bit more pressure. Maybe it was the French uh, defensive line coming up so hard, and the, and the and the hits being big. But it, just the decisions seemed to be the wrong decisions. Um, and then in the second half, the decisions and the thought and the thought process seemed to be much better. Um, and they suddenly found their feet and their ability to, uh, you know, uh, find soft shoulders and, uh, and play the game that we've, we've come to admire over the last, uh, four or five months. Why was that, uh, Malcolm? Like, what, what was the, the change in your view? Why were they better able to handle that French challenge? Um, I don't know. I think I think there's you know I suppose they have to uh there's there's a belief element there that you know um there is obviously there's there's a uh, a timing thing uh you know there's been able to uh live in the uh with the noise and 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 the state and the stadium and what it brings um like that was a big away uh, away performance, um, and it's it's sometimes not as easy to find find uh, your your kind of your your place or your confidence where you can where you can just feel comfortable. Um, maybe it took maybe it took a little time. Maybe it took a uh, a chat from Andy just to kind of to, to relax them and calm them down a bit, and and make them remember what they're trying to achieve. Um, but certainly, whatever the factors were, they came out in the second half and just maybe it was the fact that they went went down like uh, like down. Was it, what at one stage it was twenty two seven. Maybe they thought you know the game is over. I can remember us being in similar situations against the French, where the game is all but lost, and then suddenly we find ourselves and maybe it's the French just loosen up a tiny bit. Um, they've been known to do that in the past, and it just gives gives us the ability or the opportunity to to get into our game. Um, but whatever the case was, they certainly found their feet and looked really good. And the manner of their recovery was was fantastic, and the speed in which they did it. And the, um, the French actually couldn't live with them, um, so that was very heartening. So, do you think there was a, a, a sense of we're fifteen points down, the pressure is off? Is, is that kind of what happened? Well, that's certainly one way to look at it. Um, I know that's been the the case in my time, but probably for different reasons. Um, but I think there's so little in you know, and the the level of of complexity uh, in in their game plan and. The, it requires, you know, so many players running good lines um, that you, you can easily they can easily be overrun, um, and perhaps they just need their first few opportunities that they had. They they did overrun them, or they did didn't quite get it right um, due to the pressure that was applied by the French, and maybe it just took them time to 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 understand and to adapt. 
And then the second half, they just found those opportunities. I think one, one particular spark, I think, was was a Tyg Furlong plays plays that kind of loop loop pass back to back to Joey, and that just opened them up. Um, and perhaps it just needed it to fall to the right fella at the right time uh, to to run the right line. Whereas maybe previously they were just they were just pushing it. They wanted to get around and they just couldn't. Um, so, um, yeah, it, it, it could just be that fact that it was just the opportunity that arose. Um, but they took them. They took their opportunities, which which were great at that stage. Uh, like they were back in the game with half an hour to go. Um, and they ended up having another couple of opportunities that unfortunately didn't work for them. Um, and like that's all you want from from I think from the team themselves is to be in the game with with, with a few minutes to go, with fifteen, ten minutes to go. You want to be in the hunt. Um, it's not always going to go your way, um, but they certainly gave themselves an opportunity to win the match. When you analyse then the direction that this Ireland team has gone over the last little while, stylistically it sounds like you're very much on board with this being a way that will beat France on another day. That maybe there was just a couple of things that they, they need to tweak. There was a uh, maybe a little, a little bit of experience would have helped them. But certainly the way they're going about it is a way to, to beat this France team. Would I be right in saying that that's your summation on it? Um, yeah, yeah, sure. They could. I think they could... It, perhaps if they're playing at home, um, they would they would uh, they would beat them. I think the you know the home away factor is always you know we always talk about it in rugby you know but uh, you know obviously if you look to France twenty three you won't be playing them at home. Uh, so yeah, there's there's a there is I, I would be hugely confident in in what way they're going. Um, you know, it's hard to know what way, what, you know, what what the result will be of of this. But they're certainly going in the right direction. You know, they're 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 challenging they're challenging the game line. They're finding soft shoulders, uh, regardless of who they're playing against. And they did it against France, which was which was fantastic. Um, like France in 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 Stade de France are a really tough team to break down. Um, and they did it on several occasions. Um, so it was really, it was really impressive on occasions, you know. Um, and you just felt from them that they they did have a couple of opportunities that maybe on another day, you know, would have would borne fruit and would have given them give them the win. Um, but um, yeah, so it was. Yeah, they're going, They're definitely going in the right direction. Like they're they're. They're uh, like be honest. The French attack bar. They had a couple of good moments and they were opportunistic, but um, in phase play, uh, really didn't really didn't offer uh, offer that kind of same uh, detail and and quality in attack. Um, they relied on um, uh, Pinot and, and Dupont and the and the the uh, and Entomac for their like the absolute that just a. Pure quality and 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 flair um, to find them a, a, a you know a, a soft shoulder. Uh, and Ireland, to be fair to Ireland, they may not have the individual qualities uh, quality players like that, but because they work so well together as a team, uh, they're able to uh, 
you know, live with, live with that team, you know? So it's, it's, it was very impressive, you know, and who knows, they might unearth, they might unearth a couple of more players before the world cup as well, you know? So they're doing everything uh, in the right way. And so the, I think the management must be, must be applauded for that. Are you, I think it's a pretty well-known fact that Joy Carver is probably going to start against Italy in a couple of weeks time. If he plays well in that game, Al, are you then starting him for the next game and, and potentially getting him into a position where he's got to start in Twickenham? <laughs> well, you know, jo- uh, Johnny's the captain of the team, yeah. so uh, I'd say uh, they'll just um, judge uh, they'll judge Johnny and see you know when when he's right to come back in. Um, you know the fact that Joey did so well um, gives you great confidence that you can. You can put him in for the next game, um, and uh, and then uh, then sitting on behind him, then you've got Jack Carty, who you know it was very hard to, for him to come in the last few minutes and try and win win a match. You know, so was that the right call, Mal? Do you do you think they should have taken taken uh, Carberry out of things? Um, well, I suppose they were just sticking to their to their plan that they wanted to uh, wanted to, to blood. Jack Carty a bit. I think it was a huge, huge ask uh, of him, you know, to kind of come on at that stage, find a, the, the pace of the match, and uh, and deliver something. Um, probably, probably on a. I think on another another day, you'd you just let him let Joey finish it off, you know. But um, maybe that's not the way uh, Andy works he wants to have everyone inclusive everyone gets a bit of a run and that's more important than the result um, so yeah it was, a, it was a big call to take him off um, and it's not one that you know I, I don't think Jack Carty you know I don't think he won the match or lost the match you know or you know had he thrown a, a, mirac- a miraculous skip pass, it, it wouldn't have won the match anyway. You know, it was kind of, uh, it was the last play of the game, you know, it was a, a throw to dice. It was, you know, the chances of winning uh, winning that, uh, at that stage were very, very slim, you know. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, was it the right decision? Probably not. But, um, you know, he's probably sticking to his guns on that. When it comes to some of the things that Ireland will analyse from this French experience, I'm sure how they coped with that Sean Edwards defence is going to be one of the big talking points and the way it was executed with a bunch of very powerful players in that French pack. So what lessons will they take from that when it comes to, say, looking at the power that England are likely to bring? Because that is probably going to be a talking point in the build-up to that game, just like it was last week. Yeah, like what what France brought to it is they had a shooter, didn't they? So mm. DuPont would come out of the line and it's something that the French have used before. Um, you have a flyer; you just they're flying out of the line, look to try and take that that player who's uh, uh, trying to go around around behind. Uh, but um, um, it's not possible each time. It's it's kind of like that, that can only that can only happen if you're really well set, um, and then that's probably not the time to go around the team either. Um, but yeah, like every team is gonna. Is going to analyze Ireland, and they're going to come up with different uh, different ways to try and stop Ireland from getting around the, around the corner. So um, it's probably an awareness thing to to realize. Look, that we need to keep evolving as a team. Um, and you know, this this happened under Joe Joe Schmidt. Um, 
they used the, the, the sexton loop and then eventually teams figured it out um, and they closed them down. But now they've managed to find another way to get to use it. So, um, and have, and have more people uh, playing that, that, that loop pass, you know, so that's, it's kind of like a surprise. It's kind of, it's, it's, and opposition don't don't realize who's who's actually going to do it or when they're going to do it. Um, so teams are going to become aware of that and are going to understand that they need to they need to uh, be more awake and f- figure out ways of of stopping it. So it's just the, the the evolvement of the game. But I think Ireland are very much in the forefront of that in attack at the moment. I think they're leading the way, um, which is to be applauded as well. You've touched on it already. The, I guess the the uncertainty maybe around the line out and that big call at the end of the game that you wouldn't be sure whether or not that that they would actually get the points from it. So, so where is the Ireland set piece at on the evidence of yesterday? Obviously, France put them under severe pressure at the line out even before uh, Kelleher went off. So, 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 what's your read on on how they performed in that area? Yeah, I think the lineup was a bit disappointing uh, for them. Uh, they lost a few. Um, and again, I, you know, I've been in that same position and, and lost similar similar lineouts, and mm. you know, it's very hard to uh, to cope with, and you have to just take it on the chin that they, they didn't go they didn't go as well, and especially the one they had from the, the fifty twenty two from Ty Burns, unbelievable kick. Uh, you know, I think I, I think that one will hurt. Uh, you know, arguably if they they catch that, they maul that down, and you know they're just in a great position to get something. Uh, but they they come out of that with absolutely nothing, and then the game turns turns against them a bit. Um, so yeah, look, you know, lineouts lineouts are not a given. There's no guarantee you're gonna you're gonna win your lineout. You make a call, uh, you run through the movement, and you and you know. You expect a defense to do a certain thing, and they either buy it or they don't buy it. You know, so on another day, uh, the lineout works perfectly. Um, so you know, they just have to keep believing in what they're doing. Uh, like Paul will will obviously run through what happened and uh, and look at triggers and figure out you know if they can improve improve on anything. And um, you know, it's a, you know, as I said earlier, it's it's a it's an evolve it's a, a you know every, it's evolving. You know, so the lineout is evolving, their game is evolving. Nothing stays the same. Um, they can't afford it because of the analysis that other teams will do. You know, so they'll just have to you know lick their wounds and uh, you know take it on the chin and and move on to the next one. Yeah, they certainly will. All right, Malcolm O'Kelly, great stuff. Thanks a million for that. Thanks. No worries, though. Cheers, Malcolm O'Kelly there on the line reflecting on France 30, Ireland 24 in the Six Nations at Stade de France yesterday. Uh, we are turning our attention after the break to the Premier League because we've got live commentary of Burnley against Liverpool and we will get Brian Kerr's preview next. Off the ball on News Talk.